You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. I want to thank, I just want to publicly thank Owen, Owen Wald for tirelessly working on our new camera setup. Um, which now we have sound that comes through the soundboard before we were doing a different <clears throat> a different setup because that's all that we had and we were just scrambling to be able to get some kind of video out there so that we could encourage you all and, and bring hope into your homes and so this has been a really good thing but if it wasn't for Owen we wouldn't be doing any of it I'd still be recording on a phone and we'd be I don't know what we'd be doing I would have had to pay somebody probably to come in if it was possible and so thank you Owen for for doing that and, and working on that as, as long as it took. <laughs> and so I saw this picture during worship. I often I'll ask uh, the father what he's doing. What, what are you doing right now? Um, this is something that I, I do in meeting settings. And the reason I do that is because Jesus modeled that. and said that he only did what the Father does, and he only says what he hears the Father say. And so I figured that was a pretty good idea for me to do the same thing in my life. <clears throat> and so when I asked him, or when I asked him today what he was doing, uh, I saw this picture, and he was uh, putting a, a weapon in people's hands. And the weapon I saw him putting in people, people's hands um, was uh, the revelation of, of who we are. The revelation of, of who we are, and through that, the revelation of, of what we have available to us. And so for the last two weeks, unintentionally, I've been doing a series on grace. Uh, there was a time when I would actually plan series teaching, and which is a, a great way to teach, because you can build upon precepts and, uh, and truth, because you can never get out a full picture of truth. Uh, you sometimes can, but sometimes can't get a full picture of truth out in, in one 30 or 40 minute session. And so, but I haven't done that for a little while uh, since Sarah and I, I think, preached on authority. And that was sometime last year. And so this was, I say it was accidental because I didn't plan it, but clearly he planned it. And so last week I talked about grace empowering us. Again, that grace is a divine enablement to be able to do essentially the things that Jesus demonstrated to us. And so grace ultimately empowers us to be everything that Jesus paid the price for us to be. And I've heard it said before that Jesus became an orphan for a moment so that we could become sons and daughters for a lifetime. And what I mean or where I'm pointing to in Scripture when I say that is when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why, how, why have you forsaken me? And so in that moment was the only moment that Jesus existed on the planet where he was ever essentially separated from the Father. And it was in the moment that he took the sin of the world on himself. And it's just like the Father, if you could see a picture of the Father glancing away from Jesus for a moment. Jesus anticipating this, knowing what was going to take place, he was willing to endure that momentary lapse from the Father so that we could actually become the sons and daughters 
that he demonstrated on the planet that we were supposed to be. It says it in Galatians 3.26 that we're all sons and daughters through faith in Christ Jesus. And so this gospel isn't a gospel where we have to try real hard to make things happen or to gain identity. Identity comes through faith just like everything else in the kingdom. It doesn't mean that we don't put hard work into things. It just means that we don't work for the things of the kingdom. We receive them by grace through faith. It's not anything that we could have accomplished for it. That Ephesians 2.8, uh, amazing scripture that's introduction into all things kingdom. But it is what Jesus paid for. And so I want to talk a little bit today about another aspect of what we're called to as sons and daughters. And so, Father, I just, I thank you that we get to do this. I thank you for all the presence and power you released during worship. We thank you that we get to experience you. That you're not distant that you're not an absent father, that you're not a father that we have to beg for your attention, but that you're a father that's a family man that gets down right here where we're at with your kids and, and is always paying attention in a good way, always paying attention and just eager to join in with us, eager to, to talk with us, eager to reveal more of the things that you have planned for us. And I thank you, the Holy Spirit, that you're coming as the spirit of wisdom and revelation today to reveal more of the things the Father has planned for us. I thank you for empowerment going into every person today through grace, by grace, into what we're created to walk in. In Jesus' name. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. I want to share with you a little bit of my journey today in the aspect of, of physical healing. I talked about last week the Greek word sozo, which is the word for save or saved in the New Testament. Almost Maybe every time, I'm not entirely sure on that, but almost every time that you see it, it's the Greek word sozo, which in short means to be healed spirit, soul, and body. So to be healed spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. Jesus came for us to be whole right now. And so when I first started or got introduced by my, who are now my in-laws, which were my spiritual parents then, uh, Rich and Sherry Cannon, when I got introduced into physical healing, I knew even less than I know now. And I didn't have a theology or a place to, I didn't have a framework to put it in. I read books. I read some by Charles and Francis Hunter. Um, I read by Kenneth Hagin uh, Sr. I read Lester Summerall books. Uh, some of the, the God's generals, those, those men and, and that woman, um, those were my introductions into what healing looks like. And so I, I couldn't have said the things then that I can actually articulate now to help us to be able to understand that there's theology that goes with healing. But I knew that it was real. It was like something I've heard Sarah say is that it didn't make sense to my mind or my mind actually even opposed it somewhat because it didn't make sense practically or realistically, at least not the natural kind of realistic. Um, but my heart was pulling me towards it. I, I knew on the inside of me that it was truth. 
And so I was just crazy enough to believe that it was truth for me. I never was taught. I didn't necessarily grow up in a church atmosphere where we were, we were demonstrating that or walking in that, and I didn't have any theology that opposed that. And so it was easy for me to transition into God still heals today. And so back then, I didn't know what I know now, which has been, I mean, that's been 12, 11, 12 years ago. Um, and I really didn't pray for, I was praying for people for healing during that time, but I wasn't praying for them one-on-one in person. I was doing a lot of praying in my, in my secret place, prayer time. Every night I made a habit. I had disciplines in my life that were modeled to me and taught to me early on that I still model, uh, that I still have dis- or I still have those same disciplines in my life today that have helped me to grow in the Lord. If we don't have disciplines in our spiritual life, we will never accomplish everything that we were created to as sons and daughters. Some people think that discipline's a bad word, and it can turn into religion if you let it, but if it does, it wasn't God's fault, it was our fault. And, and so, <clears throat> so these disciplines help me to draw closer to God, and through that, understand better what truth is. But now I know that, the, that healing is not an aspect or, or a side issue of the gospel, but it actually is a central issue to the gospel. That without physical healing, they're actually, I'm not preaching to you the whole gospel. Because sin and sickness were paid for simultaneously at the cross. Isaiah 53 prophesies over 800 years into the future that Jesus is paying for us to be completely whole, completely free. Right? I'm, you're getting ready to read in, in uh, Matthew 8, 16 and 17, and, and Isaiah is quoted in there. And so he shows us that healing is central because if God is still healing people spiritually, which we would agree that he is, right? People are still getting saved. People are still giving their lives to Jesus. It's God's will that, that everybody be saved, that everybody hear the gospel and respond to the gospel not only so that they can spend eternity in heaven with him, so that, but also so that we can become everything that we are supposed to be right now. Like it is a right now gospel. The best things in the gospel aren't waiting for the other side of heaven. It is, it's actually heaven is waiting for us to respond to truth so that we can demonstrate what the Father looks like show people that he's a good dad and, and that they will want connection. They will want relationship. They will want to approach him because nobody wants a relationship with a, with a dad that's angry, with a, with a dad that may or may not pay attention to you. They don't want relationship with a dad that's just waiting to punish you. And the father's not like that. Jesus paid for punishment. You may or may not like this, but punishment's not on the table when we're in Christ. When we're actually in him, we become unpunishable because Jesus took the punishment for us. I'm not saying judgment day is not coming. It will be one day we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But I pay a whole lot more attention to the mercy seat than I do the judgment seat because the judgment seat's not happening now. The mercy seat is. It was in the Old Testament. That's why it was inside the tabernacle. That's why it was in, inside there at the tent of meeting. It, there was a mercy seat. God was intentional 
right? And showing even the Israelites that there was a mercy seat. And then he shows us the merciful one through Jesus. And then we get to demonstrate that through our lives. And physical healing is one of those ways. And this, this healing that I'm going to talk about today is, is not only for physical healing. It's also for mental and emotional healing. And so take it as a package deal. Um, but what I, I want to share with you is that you and I were created to walk in the same healing ministry that Jesus walked in. And so when I was kind of stumbling my way through what was truth early on in my walk, I had another mentor who's become a spiritual father and an incredible friend, uh, Dave Knoll. And, and Dave is, is still, a, him and Sandy are spiritual parents to us, and um, they're incredible friends to us. And he is, he is probably, outside of Lindsay, the biggest, biggest encourager I have, has been in the time that I've known him over the last seven years. Uh, I can't tell you how many times he's texted me and, and tell me that you're, you're doing a great work for God. Don't come down. Same thing was told to Nehemiah. He's, he's talked me off ledges. Uh, in ministry when I just wanted to give up and quit. And maybe you've never experienced that, but uh, I have. And so every pastor understands what I'm talking about. And many of you that aren't. <laughs> it's because just because you're not a, a pastor doesn't mean that you're exempt from wanting to give up. And so we all deal with stuff like that. And we have to have I love what, what our friend David um, and spiritual father also, David Wagner, says is that we're better together. And so we need one another in the sense of encouragement. Not that I find my completion in another person, but I find my completion in Jesus. But we need each other. And so Dave started to encourage me when I first met him in 2013. Um, and I had been praying Dave was encouraging me in, in healing ministry. He was prophesying over my life, my destiny, my identity. I really was just learning who I was as a son. And so when you're doing this stuff, or you're, you're doing the stuff of the Bible outside of, of your new nature, and what I mean by that is outside the revelation of knowing who we are, it, it, is, it becomes a very, a, it's a roller coaster. It's an emotional roller coaster, it's a spiritual roller coaster. Because we have to be completely rooted and grounded in our identity to be able to face the opposition that comes with believing the full gospel. Now, some people may not believe there's opposition. I felt opposition this morning uh, when I woke up. I felt it on the way here, and it wasn't anything to be afraid of. But when influence increases, the enemy hates it. And the amazing thing about that is, is that he can't do anything about it. Right? Try as he might, he's defeated, he's disarmed. We're, we're not afraid of who Robbie Dawkins calls Little Lucy. Um, and I realize that he has power, but I realize that we have authority, which is greater than his power. And regardless of what he has done in the earth or what you may brag on him doing, he's still got to bow at the name of Jesus. To every single son, every single daughter on the planet, no, longer, no matter how long you've been a Christian, whether it's for 30 seconds or for 20 years, he's still got to bow. Whether I've seen him bow at the name of Jesus through, through kids that were two and three and four and five years old, he's, he's always got to bow. And so you've got authority 
over him. I have authority over him. And, and it's important that we know who we are so that we can walk in not only power, but we walk in authority. And so everything that I'm going to talk to you about today must come through our knowledge of who we are, which comes through our intimacy with him. Because when I see him clearly, I see myself clearly. And when I can see myself clearly, I'll see you clearly. And what Jesus said to the, in, in three different gospels, when he's asked, it, he's asked what the greatest commandment is, he said, love the Lord your God with, with all you've got, with all your heart, strength, mind, everything in you, love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. I'm able to respond to that love and demonstrate that love when I see him and see me clearly. I'll be able to love my neighbor as I love myself. And so, so when I'm, I'm just learning who I am, there was, as I said, an emotional roller coaster of, of walking in healing ministry, of walking in the works that Jesus did and something that I'm telling you that we're all created for. And so what I'm going to tell you today and the testimony that I'll share with you are testimonies. You grab a hold of them and say, if he can do it, I can too, because it's not because of education or background or history or pedigree that I'm able to do these things. It's because of grace and it's because the spirit of God lives in me just like he lives on the inside of every single believer regardless of background or history or the things that we've done right or done wrong. And so Lindsay and I get invited uh, back when I was talking about 2013 to a church um, for their 80th anniversary. It's their 80th anniversary is existing as a church. And I think this is an amazing privilege because a lot of churches don't last 80 years and they've invited me to come speak. And I've got about five years of, of speaking um, I've been speaking for about five years. I don't have a lot of experience because I've, I've probably count on both hands and both feet how many times I've spoken in those five years, but I knew it was something I was called to, but just because you're called to it doesn't mean that you immediately start walking in the highest level of it, and that's good for us <laughs> because if I wouldn't begin to walk at the highest level, I got glimpses of what I was to walk in early on, and because of pride... It, it created something that was false humility in me and, and caused a lot of uh, bad times in my life. And um, thankfully, God's mercy triumphed uh, in those situations and helped me to, to come to the place that I am today, that Lindsay and I are, and we are as a ministry. And so I had talked to the pastor before I went there. Him and I worked together at this factory in Shelbyville. And I explained to him the things that I was starting to see actually happen. I was just starting to see healings literally take place. It's been only seven short years ago. I think I had seen a few. Count on one hand how many times I'd seen people healed before that. And those times were just as much a surprise to me as they, they were to the people probably more so. I was just shocked. You know, you're praying and it sounds like you have faith, but in your mind you're like, oh, I'm not really sure about this, but I, I, I'm just going to do it anyway. And so I was just doing it anyway, and there are times when I, I do that now. But <clears throat> so I had let him know, look, I'm seeing God do, when early on it was alignment issues. We're still seeing a lot of those healed backs and alignment issues, hundreds of them we've seen Jesus heal now. And so I let him in on what I was planning to do. Like I had just started to get words of knowledge. You see it in 1 Corinthians 12 that we get in, uh, we get let in on what heaven is saying about somebody's condition 
that has happened in the past or present. And we get to connect them to the heart of the Father through that. Through that word of knowledge and seeing them healed or anything else he wants to do. And so he seemed to be all for it. He was, he was pumped. I'm pumped. You know, I'm getting, I write down my words of knowledge. That's how I got them early on is I would just write them down um, sometimes a day or sometimes even a week ahead of time as I was just spending um, time with Jesus. And so I get up in front of this church to speak and I'm, I'm super nervous. And they had this, they had a, a guest band that came in that was bluegrass and um, I, God bless bluegrass worship music, but it, it, it wasn't my, it wasn't my thing. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, like I said, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm a little afraid and intimidated by the amount of people that are there and the pulpit's way up high on the stage. And so it's like, you're way, you know, like high above it all. You're like high above the whole crowd. You know, and I, I never did like that. I ended up taking the podium and, and sitting it down. Um, or a makeshift one down on the floor so that I could be at this level with people. And so I, get, I, I, I have some words of knowledge. I have a couple of them. Um, but I ask the people in the crowd once I get up to speak. This is, this is what I'm doing first. This is like my introduction. You know, thank you for having me. I'm so grateful to be here. Can't believe that I get to speak on your 80th anniversary. Congratulations. All the, you know, the great introduction for... Um, and just it, and it was a huge privilege. And so I have everybody in the crowd. I said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to hold your arms out in front of you about, no, about face level. And I want you to put your hands together like this so that if one of your arms are off, we'll know that you have an alignment issue in your back. You know, and, and, and then I'm going to have you come up here and, and we're going to pray for you. Now I would say, we're going we're gonna to have you come up here and Jesus is going to heal you. But I didn't have that much faith then, so I was just happy to, to, have, to get the opportunity to pray for him. And so two of the people, two, no, I think that people are going to be excited. You know, because of my, me being naive to, to the church, to all the denominations and all the different streams of thought, I assumed that everybody believed the same way that I did. And so <laughs> I just believed that everybody believed the Bible. And so I'd seen it in the Bible. I was going to demonstrate it and, and <laughs> hope to demonstrate it. <laughs> there was a lot, there may have been more hope than there was faith, <laughs> but it says these three remain faith, hope, and love. And so I, I, I had one of them going for me. I had a little bit of love. I had a little bit of faith and a whole lot of hope <laughs> and a little bit of expectancy. And so two of the people who have one arm that appears to be shorter than the other are part of the bluegrass worship team. And they're the daughters because it's a whole, it's a family. And there might've been some other people outside the family that were part of it. It was a pretty big team. And one of them's 15, I believe, if I'm correct, 15 or 16, and the other one's 17 or 18. And so the first one that comes up, her arm is about, this is not an exaggeration. My wife would confirm. She's the one that helps me to get the details right. Thank you, honey. And <clears throat> her arm was about four inches shorter than the other. Her back, you could see it when you looked at it. It was I don't know to be grammatically correct, but it was jacked up. Like, 
<laughs> I, I know that's not the medical term, but it was messed up bad. And you look, I'm like, uh, uh, all the excitement left. <laughs> and I, had, I, had, I was so, so afraid that this wasn't going to happen because I had seen some that were like, you know, an, an inch or half inch. You know, that, that was intimidating enough to me. But to have one that was, was a four inches at least, um, I thought, you know, my train of thought then is like, I- I'm not really sure. Now, all this is happening in, in, in split seconds. These thoughts that are flying through your mind, if you've ever been in this situation, you know, everything I'm explaining to you is happening in moments. And so I walk up to her, and, and I'm having her stand sideways so that the crowd can watch and I'm standing over here, and I, I don't even have come Holy Spirit language then. I just say, in the name of Jesus, I command you short arm to grow. You know, and it's like I'm holding my breath at that point. And this amazing, freaky thing happens. So her arm grows out. Her back is shifting. Her arm shifts past her other arm about four inches, and I'm thinking, oh, no, I have broken her. (laughs) I don't know how somebody gets worse or unhealed, or I don't know, I know that's not a word, but it gets worser, yes, that every... Every person that is diehard grammar is like cringing this whole thing. I know. I'm sorry. We'll, we'll get back on track in a minute. So her arm goes out past the other one. And I'm like, oh. I take a breath and it's still being held though. And, and, her, and it grows out past the other one again. And then it grows out straight. And I was more relieved than, than anybody there. I, I guarantee it. And so this young girl She's, I mean, you can feel the, the presence of God among the other emotions that I'm feeling at the time. The presence of God is like super strong. And so this should be a demonstration to you that you don't have to have your theology altogether. You don't even have to have a whole lot of faith because the faithful one lives on the inside of you. Jesus, and he's, he's full of faith. And, and so <laughs> the God of all hope lives on the inside of you. So even if you only have a little bit of hope right now, you still got access to all the hope there is in the world and more. And so she gets healed. Her back straightens completely up. And I'm like, yes, Jesus, this is amazing. And then her sister comes up and her sister's is a couple inches, you know, and I'm like, just saw that. I'm definitely going to see this. And so faith is rising in me. I don't, it's not rising in the room. I don't know that at the time. Actually, there's anger rising in the room and not faith. <clears throat> but fortunately, I wasn't looking at them. And so she, she, her sister gets healed also. And I'm like, yes, now I'm going to go for this word of knowledge that I have. I feel like somebody's got pain on their left side over here and, and somebody raises their hand. I'm like, yes, <laughs> we're on a roll, Jesus. And so I'm like, okay, who who are the youngest kids in the room that are willing to pray? And the youngest kids, and we find uh, two young kids. They were between the ages of five and ten. I don't remember their exact ages. Um, they're definitely preteen. 
And I have them come over with me. Have the, they're both super shy, little boy, little girl. They come over with me. They pray. And the man gets completely healed. I'm like, yeah. So I stand back up at, you know, at the podium. And I'm, I'm pumped now. And I, I get a prophetic word. I get a prophetic word for a guy in the crowd. And I hadn't done a whole lot of public prophecy at that time. I'd done some corporate words. But this was all fairly new to me. And I have him stand up, and he's the only guy that's sleeved out in tattoos and has piercings all all over his face. (laughs) Everybody else is is fairly clean cut. They're all dressed very nice, and he's the one in all black. Didn't know then that he was actually involved in witchcraft. His wife had drug him to church, um, give him this prophetic word. After the service, he, he gets completely delivered, baptized in the Holy Spirit, gives his life to Jesus. His wife gets healed of migraine headaches. It's like, I mean, this is a great day, right? I'm like, this is amazing. And so I go to lunch afterwards with everyone. They have this, uh, what do they call those places where they, where they eat fellowship hall? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, was a, it was a fellowship hall there. I don't know what it is, other places, but it was a fellowship hall there. And Lindsay and I go, and, and people are, are mad. People are saying, saying bad things. People are giving me dirty looks. There are about two people that are, are nice to us, and they are the two people that sat with us. And, and, and Lindsay, I know God's my defender, but in the natural, Lindsay is my defender. And, and she's, getting, she, she's getting angry because they're saying things about me, and, and that's what happens when somebody talks about somebody you love. And, and so I'm just like, it's all, it's all right. I don't even know what's happening. I don't have a clue. And so in that moment, I'm still riding this spiritual high, even though there's some confusion that's happening in my mind. And, and afterward, it, it hits me. Like the ridicule, um, the, the, all of the judgment. I did not know that the theology that the congregation carried was different than what the pastor carried. And so if I would have known, I don't know that I would have went in and done that. I'm not sure. Regardless, I got a testimony from that 15-year-old girl. Um, we had, I had an email form at one point, and she said that encounter changed my, changed my life forever. And, and so that was my encouragement out of all of it. But I had a whole lot more discouragement than I did encouragement. Because I was looking to other people for affirmation. I was looking to other people for my, uh, for my um, identity and all those things. And so and Dave Knoll steps in and, and talks me off of, off of a ledge during that time. Because I couldn't comprehend how it could be in here and not be inside of every Christian. I, I know that I was, you could say that I was naive and I'm glad that I was. Because that naivety actually helped me to continue on this path along with the spiritual fathers and mothers to continue to believe that the Bible is, is true today. And so in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 8 verse 16, it says, When evening had come, they brought to him, Jesus, many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. I probably don't need at this point to tell everybody the definition of all, do I? We've, we've all heard it before. If you haven't heard it and you're at home, 
It means all. I know that may be the most profound thing that you take away from today, but hang with us a little bit longer. And he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Isaiah the prophet saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. That's the quote from Isaiah 53 that I was talking about is quoted in, in Matthew chapter 8. And so if you read back at the beginning of, of Matthew chapter 8, it's a whole chapter of Jesus healing people in different ways. But first, I want to get in to each person that Jesus is a demonstration of what we were created to look like on the earth today. I know that creates more questions than it does answers at times. I know that I'm not going to be able to address your questions of why not or why hasn't it and the disappointments that you might have because of already trying. My encouragement would be to you as it is to myself as I surround myself with people that are like-minded. Right? Just because we're Christian doesn't mean we're all like-minded. It doesn't mean that I don't love my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. It doesn't mean that I don't hang out with them that have different streams of thought and, and theologies than I do. I absolutely do. But the people that I surround myself with on a regular basis are people that carry the same kingdom theology that we do. That we're figuring out. I'm not saying we've, we don't have it all together. But we, we are discovering more all of the time. And I'm grateful for that. I'm in school right now to do that. In, in global school um, of supernatural ministry. Randy Clark School. I'm in school to discover more of what's available to us. To learn from people that have been doing it for decades longer than we have. And so they're helping us to be able to walk in the more. They were closing worship with, there, there's, there's more. It's, it's in your nature to give us more. And so every one of us were created for more. We were created for more than what we're walking in. No matter if you're walking in a level of healing, or you're walking in not seeing anyone healed, there is absolutely more. And this is for, for today and for you. In Matthew 28, Jesus commissions the disciples in verses 18 through 20, commissions the disciples. The other part of that, that text would be verse 16 and 17, when it says that the disciples are obedient to Jesus and, and they go where he told them to. And seeing them, some worshiped and some doubted. He never addressed the doubt. He only commissioned them. So it's okay if you have doubt. It's all right. No matter what level your faith is at right now, you can still walk this out. Even if you're not walking and you're stumbling it out like I was back then and still at times now, not, not knowing or not understanding everything. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are, are incredible verses. And just to shorten them up, it tells us to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and to lean not on our own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of our ways and he'll direct our paths. I don't want a God of my understanding because if I have one, he's going to be really little. Because if I think that I can understand God in my finite mind, I am sadly mistaken. And so Jesus, when he commissioned the disciples, he tells them to disciple nations. 
And he tells them to do the things that I taught you to do, the things that I commanded you. And so remember, he's addressing all levels of faith, the levels of faith that knew he was raised from the dead and worshiped him, right? They weren't worshiping him before. They knew he was the resurrected Christ, enough so that they worshiped him. But there were others that doubted. And so he's addressing this one command to everybody, this every single level of faith that there is. And so don't get caught up on your level of faith. Get caught up on what he is saying. Surround yourselves with the people that are like-minded and going after the same things in the kingdom. As you're ministering to people in the body and outside of the body, unbelievers, run with the people that are running in the same direction you are. And immerse yourself in the word of God. And and by doing that, if I immerse myself, if my foundation through intimacy is in the word of God, when something happens that doesn't make sense, that opposes this word, I will turn back to the word and not submit to my circumstances or that situation that didn't turn out like I wanted it to or the way even that the Bible says that it's supposed to. And I will submit myself to the word of God and the word of God will trump My understanding, the word of God will ultimately trump my experience so that I will continue to relentlessly pursue the ministry that Jesus demonstrated for us. This verse has been one of my life verses out of John 14, 12. It says that he who believes in me, this is Jesus talking to the disciples and to us today. He who believes in me will do the works that I do and even greater works than this because I go to the Father. And so by us being believers, we're qualified for this ministry. Jesus qualifies us. Grace empowers us. The Spirit of God makes it a reality through us when we set our eyes on the ministry that Jesus demonstrated for us and said, because he was a man in right relationship with the Father, full of the Spirit of God, it's available to me. I know he was fully God and fully man, but he did not walk the earth as fully God. And so that gives me hope. And so there, there was another time when, when a, a friend of mine, uh, Josh uh, Rickard and I were praying for this this little boy, he had not walked. He was, he was two, he was over two years old. He had not walked yet. This was also around this same time period. This was, I believe, on the heels of this other situation that I was talking about happened. So I'm sharing stories with you where I'm just being super vulnerable to give you, to give you hope. Because sometimes when you see somebody in front of you that appears to have a great faith and they do something that results in something that only Jesus could make possible in, in, this, uh, in this aspect, physical healing, supernaturally, in a moment's time, or even over a few days span, however it takes place, and they don't share their vulnerability with you, it seems unattainable to the rest of us. But thankfully, we have... We have men and women that are being vulnerable today in the body of Christ um, and that are sharing their experiences and which have taught me to share mine. And so 
we see this, this little boy is carried up to Josh and I in the arms of his mother. And she says, can you pray for my son? He's never walked. Over two years old. There's something clearly wrong, but the doctors can't figure out what it is. So in those moments, you don't think, I need to muster up faith. You just respond, and hopefully you're responding to the heart of God. But I know the will of the Father by looking at the person of Jesus. So I don't have to wrestle inside about what the will of God is. I look at the person of Jesus. And so by continually doing that and that being demonstrated to me, reading and pouring over the Gospels, I see Jesus' life, and I know it's not possible for God's will to be that this little boy not walk. And that's all I need to know. I know what God wants because I see who he is through Jesus. And so Josh and I pray. This freaky thing starts to happen where this little boy's side is, is vibrating in, inside of his stomach like, like this. This is his skin through his shirt is moving like this. I'm, not, I'm like, I don't, I don't know if this is, I don't know what this is. I don't have time to think about it. I, we just keep praying, right? We pray and, and nothing happens in the moment. He doesn't walk while we're in church. But we get a video a couple days later. And it's of this little boy, not just walking, but running around. I, I don't know what was wrong, what that freaky thing was in his side. I, I don't understand why he wasn't walking. The only thing that I needed to understand in that moment is who the father is that I see through Jesus and that he has invited me into this lifestyle of the miraculous that's for every single believer. Mark 16, the commissioning tells us, Jesus is telling the disciples another, um, another aspect or another viewpoint from, from Mark on the commissioning that Jesus gave, not just to the disciples, but to all of us, that everybody that ever has been, currently is, or ever will be on the planet, it says that we'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. That we'll cast out demons, that we'll speak with new tongues if you drink anything deadly. Now don't go in the garage rooting around to see it, just test God. I, I believe that means that if we get poisoned or something bad happens, you know, it, it's, it's not going to hurt us. But it says we'll do all of this if, you, if we believe, all right? All those that believe, these signs will follow them. So we don't even have to chase after them. We just need to be believers. And we're, we're all believers, right? And so there's several demonstrations through the Gospels of what it looks like for Jesus to heal. And the interesting thing that I find is even though that we model a prayer model often that Global Awakening models and has taught us, and another one that Bethel models and has taught us. But I love the prayer model of Jesus the best. And it's the prayer model of do what the Father's doing in the moment. At the beginning of Matthew chapter 8, he touches the leper because the leper tells him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. In the Old Testament, the leper caused other people to be unclean. In the New Testament, Jesus touches the leper and the leper becomes clean. 
That's the authority that we carry. Jesus wasn't afraid. Jesus wasn't worried about it getting on him. I don't want to be insensitive in this current situation that we're in, but I do want to encourage you that now's an opportunity for our faith to go up to another level. John G. Lake demonstrated it when the bubonic plague died in his hand, when he told scientists when they were freaking out because he was helping people with the bubonic plague. He was, he was helping. He was, um, he was right in the trenches and they said, you're going to get this and die. And he said, no, I'm not. Because he had gotten a hold of, he had gotten a hold of Romans chapter 8, verse 2. For the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Everything that, that the law and sin and death represent, disease, sickness, in this case, leprosy, or in our current case, COVID-19, it was, he, he knew that there's a greater reality. Now, if, if your faith isn't there yet and you don't see that truth, I'm not encouraging you to run out into the midst of the pandemonium and, and the chaos. And I'm, I'm not, I'm saying that I am inviting us, myself also, into this place where we walk in the fullness of what Jesus demonstrated that others have demonstrated some at a greater level than anybody that's on the planet right now. And we get to learn from them. We get to say, if it was available for Jesus, it was available for that person, it's available for me too. I can walk in this. And it's not by any merit of my own, but it comes through that beautiful thing that we've been talking about. And it's grace. Grace makes it possible. Grace not only makes it possible, grace makes it probable. And so as sons and daughters, we have this opportunity as I see, I agree with what David Wagner has said recently. I believe that even the COVID-19 is a sign that God is, is there, that America, that the world is going to see the greatest healing revival that it's ever seen before. The greatest demonstration of healing and miracles that have ever happened before. And the father right now is inviting us into this intimate place of seeing in the word once again with fresh eyes and fresh revelation that what the Bible says is, is true for us today, that what the Bible says is, is alive and, and ready and willing and waiting for us to step into the identity that Jesus paid for so that we can show the world that the Father wants them whole, that he wants them well, that he's for them, that he loves them, that, that he is lovesick over them. And so we are his hands and feet. And by getting a hold of this revelation that we are to walk in the healing power that Jesus walked in, it's going to be one of the ways that we win the world to Jesus. It's going to be one of the ways that we demonstrate the kingdom of heaven is coming on earth. That Matthew 6 prayer that we pray, we get to do that. We're not waiting on God to do it. God is waiting on us to do it. I'm not saying God needs us to do it. I'm saying that's the way he designed it. And he still heals sovereignly without anybody being involved. But I rarely see it happen that way. The majority of the time I see it happen through believers or in the case of the testimonies I told you earlier, in spite of my belief system, he still heals because it's his will 
today. And so this morning, I feel that he is inviting us into this, that that our responsibility as the church, these buildings were made to train and equip people to do the work of ministry. It says it in Ephesians 4. There's not another model for what church looks like. The book of Acts, Ephesians 4, tells us what apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are for. They're to train and equip the body to do the work of ministry until we come into the fullness of faith, right? Until we all are completely like-minded. I think seven years ago, I found out that we weren't all like-minded. And I don't want you for one moment If you're watching this and you don't believe in the healing ministry of Jesus, you don't believe it's for you or you don't believe it's for today, there's no condemnation and there's no shame. But I do believe that the Father is is holding out His hand and He's he's inviting you into a place that, that you were made for. That when He dreamed about you before the foundation of the world, you're... That's my son. That's my daughter. I want them to walk in everything they were made for. I want to see them operate out of the fullness of their destiny. And he's not saying it with this condemning voice or this angry voice voice or this agitated voice. He's saying it with the, the voice of love. He's saying it with the more love than we can comprehend. He's saying it with more compassion than we can wrap our minds around. He's saying it the same way Jesus was saying it, I believe, to the disciples when he says, do disciple nations and, and teach them to do the things I commanded you to do. Invite them into the lifestyle I invited you into because discipleship is demonstration and then activation. I demonstrate it for somebody, then I activate them in it, and I teach them along the way, and then they immediately start to do the same thing. It's not a period of waiting for years on somebody to be discipled and activated in the stuff. It's immediately upon salvation. We teach them what's available to them as we teach them who they are, and they immediately start doing the stuff. I'm challenged in this. I'm challenged in this truth and this reality and this time that we live in. I'm challenged that's been the church's response in our nation to, to sickness. I'm challenged. I'm challenged in it all. I feel like I can just, I can feel the heart, the heart of, of the Father. And he's just ever so gently saying, there's more. There's more. Let this situation show you what you weren't ready for, but there's more. There's more. And so this may have caught us on our heels for some of us. It may have caught some of us backpedaling. But if you ever pray, played sports, they used to teach us to, to backpedal. Down, we'd run down the court and we'd backpedal and we'd, we'd turn and we'd take off and, and sprint back down the other way. And, and so it's just a, a quick shift from, from one position to the next. It's not, it's not anything that even needs to change. It's nothing that needs to change in him. I'm not even saying anything needs to change in, in us except for our thinking. I'm, I am saying, though, that it is just a quick pivot and turn. I turn towards the reality that the gospel demonstrates to me. I, I turn towards the reality that the gospel is made available to me. 
that, that God didn't send his son to die so that we could just live good lives, so that we could just have good jobs and, and raise families and have nice houses and have nice stuff the way that we model in our nation. Now, I'm not opposed to stuff. God doesn't mind us having stuff as long as stuff doesn't have us. But I am saying this, that it wasn't about us just being nice people and getting things. It was about us being a people and demonstrating what the Father looks like on the planet. It was the same thing the Bible shows us is possible. It's the same thing that the early church demonstrated. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that's on the inside of every single believer, regardless of our theology. God's not waiting for our theology to get fixed, even though I know that can be important. He is just waiting for us to believe what he says, just to respond to his heart of love. Because when he sees somebody sick, he doesn't want them to be sick. When he sees them in pain, he doesn't want them to be in pain. When he sees them broken, uh, relationships that are broken, he doesn't want that. He's, he's not his will. And, and you and I get to show people as he's shown us that there's something that's so much better. Let me, let me ask you this. I'm asking myself this. If, if, all, if all my stuff was stripped away, if all the countless pairs of shoes that I have and love, I know it's a different kind of love than I love people with, but I still like them. I know that got real serious for a moment, so I just wanted to, make you laugh, but if, if, if it's, if all my stuff, if my car, if, if my house, if, if, if it all got stripped away, would Jesus be the same to me? Would Jesus be the same to me? Would he be the same? Would I still believe what Hebrews 13, 8 says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Or do I need it all to be going right? Do, do, I, do I need the stuff? Do, do I need to have the, the money? I, I, please don't miss me in this. Please don't not hear my heart in this. I, I feel like God is challenging us in this time, in our limited places that we're able to go, in the limited even places that we're able to, to access and shop and all of those things. When, when you can't go out and be in front of people and it doesn't matter if you put on your makeup or, or, you, or, or you even get out of your PJs because you can work from home and be there all day. I think he's challenging us in this. I feel like he really is. And it is do, I, do I need everything to look right? Do I need everything to be right to demonstrate what he looks like to the earth? Or if it was all stripped away, would he be the same father to me? Would I still sing you're a good, good father? Would I still say you're the faithful one? Would I, would I say all the things about him that I say now? If I had to live in the dirt, if I had to go to a third world nation for the rest of my life where they didn't eat American cuisine and, <laughs> and they ate things that I hated and they didn't have Nespresso makers so that I could have my favorite coffee in the morning because life's too short not to drink good coffee. And <laughs> would, it, would it all be the same for me? I'm not asking just you this. I'm asking me this. And I feel like the Father is asking the church this. I heard Mike Bickle say something this week. I'll close with this. I heard him say 
on this conference prayer call that was happening in, in South Korea being streamed to tens of thousands. It may have reached hundreds of thousands of people by now. It was supposed to happen um, physically, but it ended up happening online because of everything and that's going on in the world and travel bans. And so Mike Bickle says he felt like that God is asking us because people had been praying. People had been praying if I just had more time, if I just had more time, this is what I'd do. If I just had more time, Michael Pickles, like we, the father, feel like he's asking us, we've got more time now, what are you doing with it? Are you binge watching Netflix or Hulu or you, right? Is, is, it your, is it your favorite reality show that's taking up all of your time still and now actually more time? What is it that's taking, this is challenging me. What is it that's taking up my time? What is it that I'm spending time on that I'm not supposed to at this time? I'm not saying those things are bad and they're not sin. I'm not closed line preaching. That's not what I'm doing. But the father is inviting the bride into the bedchamber. He's inviting us into another level of intimacy that sons and daughters can't go into. Sons and daughters can't go into the bedchamber. They can't go in where the husband and wife go. That, that's not a place for them. And the Father is challenging us right now in the midst of what looks like a pandemic and chaos across the world. He's inviting us into this place, this place of intimacy that's a greater place of intimacy than what we're currently in. And, and it's going to take us actually using the time that he's giving us because it's the greatest gift that we can have outside of Jesus and everything that comes with that package deal of kingdom, Holy Spirit, and all that stuff. It's the greatest gift that we can get. And now we have it. And what are we doing with it? Because it's time to move into a new place. Because God wants us. The Father is so good. He wants us to be prepared for what he's pouring out and what is increasing in the earth. Through this pandemic, there is an increase of the presence and power and ultimately the Spirit of God that is being poured out on the church in America. It's happening everywhere else also, but it's happening to us. And I feel like he's asking us, are you going to be ready? Are you going to be ready? He challenged me this week. He challenged me this week. He said, I want you up earlier. I want you praying more. I want you putting out videos. I want you doing this. I want you doing that. And I'm having you do this because I want you to be ready for what I'm about to pour out. He wants, that's his heart. He's a good dad. He wants, when, when you're training and teaching your children, you want them to be ready for life, right? When you're, when you're doing driver's ed with your, your kid, now you're paying for them to take it. Hopefully you're doing some of it with them yourself. But Bryler and I did it together. And, and though it was scary, <laughs> it was just me letting go of control and him being a new driver, but, but I wanted him to be a good driver. I wanted him to be prepared for his life on the road. And the Father has been preparing us. He's been preparing us. And, and I, I'm saying to you today that if, if you don't feel prepared, then it's time that we get prepared. And it's not working our way into the kingdom. Don't hear that because sometimes our pivot response to backpedaling is working harder 
for stuff in the kingdom. And it's not. The, the, as I, if I'm moving backwards or even standing still and not moving forwards, my, my pivot move is to, to intimacy. My first move is spend time with him. Spend time with him. It doesn't come through me praying harder, reading more, even though those things aren't bad. But if they come from a works mentality, they are. And so today, you don't have to stand in your living room or if you're, excuse me, if you're laid back in your bed. Maybe you should. Actually, you know what? I, I believe that, that standing is an appropriate response. If you can't stand, then, then maybe kneel if that's possible or, or lay on the floor on your back or something that, that demonstrates, demonstrates worship to Jesus. <clears throat> so in this moment... God's made this, this beautiful gospel available to us through Jesus. And if you're outside of relationship with him or you don't feel like you really know him the way that we're talking about him, <clears throat> just say this. Say, yes, Jesus. I say yes to everything that, that you planned for me. I say yes to everything that you did for me. I thank you for canceling and forgiving me for every sin I ever, ever committed. I thank you for, for making my figurative past of all the wrongs I, I've done. I, I thank you for taking it all away in your sacrifice. And I thank you that today's a new day. I thank you that I am a son, that I, I am a daughter. I thank you for filling me with the Spirit of God and empowering me to do these things that we're talked about today. Yeah. Yeah. So the Father's inviting us to use our time more wisely. He's inviting us into this, this deeper intimacy for the bride. He's giving us more of what we've asked for. Now what are we going to do? Are we going to be prepared when he pours out more? Because I know this one thing for sure. That when God sets in motion his will, which he did through Jesus, that he is going to accomplish what he sets out to do. And I get the privilege of being a part of it. Or I cannot. And he's going to love me just the same. I know that. But I don't know about you, but I want to be actively involved. I want to be actively involved in this because it's in our DNA. Jesus, the healer, lives on the inside of us. And so don't worry about even having the gift of healing or the gifts of healing. That's amazing if you prayed for it or if you've got it. But Christ, the healer, lives in us. So just start praying for sick people, sick mentally, hurting emotionally, sick physically. Just start praying for them. You don't even have to know the right words. Jesus demonstrates that. Matthew 80 touches the leper, he's cleansed. He, he tells the centurion that his servants healed because of his faith. He, he just helps Peter's mother-in-law 
up and her fever breaks and she gets up and serves them. And then they brought all to him. As I read Matthew 8, 16 and 17, they brought people that were demon possessed and, and sick. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all their sick. He, there's no just one way to do it. I just challenge you in getting in the word and see it. Get it in you. Let's believe it together. Let's see the world change together. And so, Father, we we just worship you right now because you're worthy of all of our worship. And we lay our little bitty lives down at your feet. And I ask that you'd send down fresh fire as we've learned that fire always falls on sacrifice. That you'd send down fire on every altar of every heart that's watching, of every place in America, of every person that's positioned their hearts as, as kids and through that servants to you. And the spirit of the resurrected Jesus, the Holy Spirit, would become our best friend, our bestie. That we would grow in intimacy into this place of of the bride that you're giving us access into. That we'd use our time. We sing it. I'd spend all my time on you. I'd spend all my time on you. So now we want to live it. We want to live what we've been singing. Because we want the world to see the Father we know, the Jesus we know. And so thank you for empowering every person right now. I just felt like I'm supposed to speak the commissioning over every single person that's watching. The disciple nations, heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons, freely as you have received, freely give. Preach the gospel through actions and through words everywhere that you go. You're commissioned to do it. You were made for it. You have the grace. You've been empowered. There isn't anything you can't do in Jesus. There isn't any impossibility that stands before you that won't bow at the name of Jesus. And so, Father, I thank you for the authority we get to carry. I pray every one of us go deeper in identity. We go deeper in the revelation of who we are and that we would walk in the authority that heaven has given us. And I thank you for the church rising up and driving out of every nation this sickness, this virus. I thank you, Father. We release the kingdom to drive this out. We thank you for the kingdom not only driving this virus out, but gaining back territory that the enemy has tried to take. We thank you. It does not not belong to him, but it belongs to you. The earth, heaven is your throne and the earth is your footstool. And so we thank you that as sons and daughters, just as everything is under your feet, that it is under ours also, that place of authority you've given us. And so start praying for people everywhere you go. Start praying for people through text message on Facebook, Facebook Messenger, Instagram. Just call them on the phone. Do everything. Just, I just heard this this week. I just, the father was, it was urgency in his voice. Not that he was afraid or scared. It was just the urgency of saying, pray for as many people as you can. And I know that's for us all. And so I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're leading, guiding us in all of this. 
and that we get to partner with you in doing the stuff that Jesus demonstrated to us to change the world around us. Yeah, thank you. In Jesus' name. We thank you for coming, joining us live. Whether you're watching it now or you're watching it later, I pray you get an impartation of everything the Father has for you. I pray that you realize this is for you. This is for you. This is for us. Let's do this together. Let's do this together. Doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, how long you've been saved. Just start praying for people. Watch what happens. Just want you to hold your hands out right now. I just want you to say this last thing as we actually close this time. <laughs> First closing is just getting you ready for the second. Just say this, come Holy Spirit upon me the way that you were upon Jesus so that I can demonstrate who the Father is the way Jesus did. Amen and amen. <laughs> Jesus is amazing. We want you to know that we love you. Revive family that's not able to be here. We love you. We miss you. We miss hugging you. We miss being near you. Miss seeing your faces. So thank you for getting actively involved on the feed, making comments, sending emojis, whatever you're doing. Uh, we're grateful for you. We bless you in the rest of your day. We're praying for you guys. If you need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out to us through email or the, or the text message through the leadership that you already have our phone number. Um, we want to do anything that we possibly can for you during this time. Bless you guys. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.